souls to gospel and sacrilege happened. So many students back and visitors as well. Okay, after the epiphany, and epiphany is manifestation. God shows himself to us in his son. Uh, the Gentiles, he showed himself as the one who showed that he loves his creation by taking a look at him, desiring to hear us. And so that the suffering is and uh, <clears throat> that's that's the strength of silence is the Judas. Uh, and you will uh, you'll see that. Um, those of you who are new here, we have two handles. The middle age is the blue one, uh, old one is the, the burgundy one. And Taylor will be again TLH512.
the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart. Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who may heaven and earth. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. Do you forgive the iniquity of my sins?
He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended to heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again in glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might rescue us from this present evil world, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.
that portion of God's Word which we consider this morning, the Holy Spirit caused the evangelist Matthew to write for our comfort and our learning. We place a special emphasis on these words of our Lord, I am willing, be cleansed. Let us pray. Pledge of peace from God I see when thy pure eyes are turned to me to show me thy good pleasure. Jesus, thy spirit and thy word, thy body and thy blood afford my soul its dearest treasure. Keep me kindly in thy favor, O my Savior, thou wilt cheer me. Thy word calls me to draw near thee. Amen. Jesus had just finished giving his famous Sermon on the Mount with the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, all the way down to blessed are the persecuted. And he spoke with one having authority, not as the scribes and Pharisees. He spoke with certainty. He spoke the words of God. He explained the law of God. And it didn't just require conforming yourself to some outward standard of behavior, but required love from the heart. It required you to love your neighbor just as much as you love yourself and to love God above all things. He taught the people to trust in God alone for righteousness. He says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. He taught the way of the Christian in repentance and faith and love. And maybe this leper who met him as he was coming down from the mountain had heard this sermon, or at least a report of it. He had heard of Jesus. He knew something about Jesus. He knew that Jesus could make him clean from his lepers. He ascribed to him a power that he did not have and that nobody in the world had. No doctors, nobody. So this leper comes and worships him. This means he knelt down in front of him. The law of Moses commanded that the leper live outside of the camp and alone. He is supposed to cry out unclean to anyone who comes near him. Even covering his mouth. I suppose Fauci would make him wear a face mask. I don't know. But he is excluded from his family, from his friends, and worst of all, from the worship of the temple. He can't even enter it. Now, there are two strange things that happen here. First is that the leper seems to disobey this law when he comes and approaches Jesus and kneels down before him. He should keep his distance and shout, Unclean! And second, no one is supposed to touch a leper or any of his clothes if he doesn't want to become unclean himself. And Jesus lays hold of him. How can this be? The law tells the leper to stay away, but Jesus is there. And the law doesn't stop this leper from coming and worshiping him. He kneels down and he says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. This isn't even a request. It's not a prayer. It is a confession. It is an assertion. Lord, if you are willing, if you want to, you can clean me. If you are willing. Everything depends on Jesus' will and knowing what his will is. People try to find it in all different ways. Jesus says, after he marvels at the centurion's faith, that the sons of the kingdom will be cast out, where there will be weeping in the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. These are those who try to approach God with their own works, who try to approach God with their own righteousness and not with their need. Everything depends on Jesus' will. 
Faith knows that Jesus is able to make me clean. Is he willing? Does he want to? The leper had faith that Jesus could clean him, but he left it to Jesus' will. Does Jesus want to cleanse him? Well, the answer does not come from the leper's heart. The answer does not come from our own lying hearts. The answer comes from him who has, as the psalm says, grace poured out on his lips. I want to, willing, be cleansed. The law prohibited Jesus to be near a leper, but Jesus is Lord of the law. He is Lord of the law because he gave it on Mount Sinai to Moses. He is true God. He is the one who showed Moses his glory by showing him his back. He is the one who was in the burning bush and spoke and said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is the one who commanded the leper to stand and cover his mustache and shout unclean. He is the one who gave every law for Israel. Man is not made for the law, but the law was laid down for man. Jesus knows this because Jesus fulfills the law for man. Paul says the scripture has confined all under sin that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. And again, for God has command, committed them all to disobedience, that he might have mercy on all. The law was our tutor to bring us to Christ. By the law is the knowledge of sin. The law of God limits you. It demands cleanliness from you. It requires you to be pure and clean and holy, and it excludes you from God and from his church when you do not meet its demands because you are being loveless. You are sick. Leprosy is a picture of our sin. There is perhaps no greater picture of it. It is a horrible disease. Your nerves die. You don't feel pain, so you can just not realize it. Lose a hand, have limbs fall off, have sores on your face. Everything becomes white. And until recently, you need like a ton of antibiotics to cure leprosy these days. It takes a long process. It's like getting rabies shots. Really bad. And so leprosy is a picture of our sin. The law confines the leper to isolation. The law condemns sinners to isolation from God and others. The law excludes lepers because, of, because their uncleanness is contagious. The law excludes sinners from the congregation of the righteous because sin is contagious. It spreads like a disease and hurts and harms other people. How many of you have made mistakes in your life? Bad company corrupts good morals. You followed the crowd. You've let your flesh indulge in what others are indulging in and thought, hey, if they're doing it, it's okay. Sin spreads and it hurts people. Now this uncleanness of sin is the poison that comes from the devil and which we inherit from Adam. It is a spiritual poison. It is a corruption of the highest faculties of man, a corruption of his thinking, a corruption of his will, a corruption of his emotions. It is a lack of trusting in God. Adam and Eve, when they heard God walking in the cool of the day, what did they do? They ran away from him. That is the poison. It is the lie that we can be as wise as God who made us. It's the lie that because we know good and evil now, we are able to be like God. It is a filthy disease, a disease of pride. Man trusts in himself instead of in the one who made him. And this leads to all sorts of soul-destroying fruits. Pride grows envy. People hating other people because of what they have and are. 
It grows rebellion, people casting off the parents through whom God gave them life for the sake of a so-called freedom. Pride grows greed, not being satisfied with what God has given you and expecting good for your soul from stuff. Not paying workers, accumulating more and more and more without caring how it's accumulated. Pride grows lust. It says, I can have what God did not give me. I can, I can desire this, but God did not give me. I can take this person that God did not give me and use that person for my own pleasure. Pride leads to gossip where you don't care about the reputation of another person. You just care about the delight of hearing evil about somebody. Pride grows hatred. It grows grudges and bitterness, evil thoughts, selfishness, and finally death for sinners because sin rots the soul. Sin kills like lepers. So it happens that we become like this leper. Law is at work in our hearts. We know that we should overcome evil by doing good. We know that we shouldn't hate somebody for doing wrong to us. That we should resist sin and fight against it. That we should overcome sin by prayer and patience, by walking straight and not turning off to the side. We are so weak, too weak, to fight against a single sin. Because it's not just some outside thing. The disease is too severe. As Isaiah says, the whole head is sick. Out of our own hearts, Jesus says, from our flesh come evil thoughts. Out of this is a constant rebellion against the law's command that we love and trust in God and love our neighbor as much as we love ourselves. This carnal mind, Paul describes it, that does not submit to the law of God. Indeed, it cannot. And the law commands us to stay away, to hide ourselves from God, because who can see him and live? The law tells us that we lose our lives, that we deserve to have taken from us what we have abused. Whoever destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. The law tells us that we lose love from others because we have not loved as we ought to. We don't deserve it. The law tells us to stay away. The leper doesn't listen to the law. The law can't condemn Jesus because Jesus is able to make him clean. If you are willing, if you want to, you can make me clean. He ascribes to this man all power in earth and heaven. None of us can walk up to a man with cancer and say, be cleansed, and watch his haggard and shriveled face regain the bloom of youth. None of us can overcome the deadly effects of sin simply by speaking. But this leper knows that Jesus can, if he is willing, if he wants to. Faith begins with an assertion. Luther famously said against the Roman Catholic theologian, the Holy Spirit is no skeptic. That means he doesn't give us doubtful things to say and believe. We are dealing with our eternal destiny, our eternal souls. We are dealing with what is most important in all the world, whether we can rely upon the God who made us, whether we can trust in him, whether he loves us, whether he's going to be with us in all trials and pain and suffering and even in death. And so faith must begin with an assertion. It is an assertion that comes from God himself and not from our own hearts. It is the assertion first that God is able to save us from sin and death and devil and all misery. And we learn this by looking at Jesus' life and listening to him. Look at the works of God and listen to him. He leaves his throne of light inaccessible and wraps his immortal divinity in this mortal coil of flesh that we all wear. 
and is subject to hunger and sin and death. Though he himself sins not at all. And he joins us in the darkness of the valley of the shadow of death to show the goodness of God, to shine it on us, to manifest God to us, to teach us what he can do. Jesus can heal lepers. He can speak and diseases obey him. He is able to cleanse lepers and sinners. This is why I have said, one sin is worse than all of COVID. One sin. What does he want to do? What does Jesus want? Whether Jesus wants to help you does not come from your own heart. Your own, the leper's heart couldn't give him the certainty. He knew it was all in Jesus' hands. He knew that it wasn't his own will that could save him, but the will of God. When your conscience is burdened and you are facing guilt and shame for what you have done and left undone, for what you have thought and said and desired that is contrary to what is good, and you see a power of evil in your members warring against the law of your mind, and you see with Paul that the law is spiritual, requiring spiritual good from you, but you are carnal, fleshly, sold under sin, when you are afraid and tormented in your heart about whether Jesus even wants to help you, then you need to hear from the lips of Jesus that he himself is willing. Do not doubt he can, though you have seen sin do damage in your life and wreak havoc on the simplicity of your faith. He is able to do far more abundantly than we can either ask or desire. He can cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He has cleansed many sinners. He cast demons seven of them, out of Mary Magdalene, demons who led her to do shameful things. He spoke, and the earth came to be. He said, let there be light, and there was light. He spoke, and the dead man sat up alive. He said, Lazarus, come out, and he came out of the tomb. He speaks, and demons flee. Diseases must disappear, and the heavy burdens of guilt bearing down on poor consciences are lifted up and away. Is he willing? Is he willing to forgive you? to cleanse you again when he has already forgiven you more times than you can count and you come back again with the same stains? Does he want to help you from the shackles of sin that fester in your life and make you unclean? Is he willing, who wanted to come down from heaven and join, and join us in our misery? Is he willing, who welcomed and received sinners and ate with them to give them the bread of life? Is he willing, who offers living water to that fornicating woman at the well? Is he willing who called Matthew from the tax collector booth to follow him? Is he willing to cleanse you who told the paralyzed man, be of good courage, your sins are forgiven? Is he willing who calls all men to repent and believe the gospel for the kingdom of God is at hand? Do you know that he wants to cleanse you? Do you know that he wants to forgive you of all of your sins? Of those that have been hidden from others, but he sees them and he knows them. Do you know that he wants to release you from the fear of losing God and being away from him forever in the outer darkness? Follow his footsteps on earth to find out what he wants for you. Look at his works and listen to him. By the express will and foreknowledge of God, he is delivered into the hands of sinners. He says to the Father, take this cup from me, but not what I will, but what you want. He subjects his own will to the Father in our place. He drinks the bitter cup of God's wrath and punishments against sin. He is willing to do this. He is willing to be beaten and falsely accused and spat on and turn the other cheek and give his beard to those who pluck it out and whipped and scourged and mocked and take thorns for his crown. He is willing 
to carry the cross to the place of the skull. He is willing to be stripped naked and bear the shame of the world on a cross where he is willing to have his hands and feet nailed to a tree. He is willing to hear silence from God, that dreaded silence, that vast and terrifying void of God turning his face away from sin and punishing it. He is willing to face your every fear, your every secret sin, sins of your youth and the sins of yesterday and this morning and tomorrow. He is willing to endure more pain than man has ever seen. Does he want to help you? Does he want to cleanse you? The answer does not come from your own heart and never does, but from the words of Jesus that his apostles wrote down in the Bible. The scriptures that confine you under sin are fulfilled by this Jesus who is confined by sin on the cross in your place willingly. When you hear him speak this morning, you heard him speak this morning, I forgive you all your sins, and it is truly Christ speaking through his servant, as he says, as the Father has sent me, even so I send you. Whosoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven them. When you hear Jesus say, I forgive you all your sins, he is saying, I am willing, be cleansed. When you kneel at this altar, and you say, I am a wretched sinner, I have strayed from your ways like a lost sheep, I feel my sin, and it is a burden that is too much for me. I am filthy and foul like a leper. But if you are willing... You can make me clean, that it is Jesus who says, I am willing. Take, eat, this is my body that bore your guilt, and this is my blood that washes it all away. Be cleansed. All you need is his word. The world passes it by. They are distracted by many things. They are impressed by gods with many powers. Look at the fear that COVID caused. Why? Why are people so afraid of this false god? Who can tell people to do things? and destroy economies. Why? Because they do not realize what they need from Jesus. They're passing by the word of God as if, as if it's not that important. They closed churches. They closed the one place where the gospel is preached and the sacraments are administered. The place where Jesus comes and says, I am willing, be cleansed. They closed it. Never let them close it again. Ever again. You may not, because all you have is his word. You go to a funeral of a loved one who died in the faith. The only evidence you have that this body is going to rise, that you're going to see him again, is the word of God. You base your entire soul, your life, your destiny on this. There is no room for doubt. There is only room for this assertion. If you are willing, you can make me clean. You don't need to see him. He is where his word is, surely, under the end of the age. The centurion knew this. He knew that he could, just as he could command his soldiers to go, and they would go, and they would obey. Jesus commanded sickness and death, and they obeyed him. Jesus marveled at the man's faith, because it was grounded not in sight, not in his own reason and understanding, but on the words of Jesus that will never pass away. So you also, under the cross, wandering as an exile and pilgrim and sojourner on this earth, seeing so much evil in and about you, do not doubt that if Jesus only speaks, your soul will be healed. Believe his word. At his word was all created, and at his word faith is formed in your heart, kindled in your heart, and kept alive with the knowledge that you hear and cling to with the words, I am willing. I want to take what grieves you away. I want to teach you to trust in me, to endure suffering, to grow in grace and knowing me, to learn to love as you have been loved, 
to see your Savior near under every cross you bear in the words of eternal life. I want you to be 100% sure of your salvation, of God's love. Lord Jesus, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and your servant will be healed. If you are willing, you can clean me. And I know that you are willing, always ready and willing, from the baptism that clothes me in you and your righteousness, in the words of scripture that are milk and honey to my soul, in the songs that I sing to your praise and glory. Teach me to live humbly and associate with the lowly as you associate with me. Let me repay evil with good. I commend all my sufferings to you whose sufferings teach me that you are willing to keep me steadfast in your word and faith until I die. You who have overcome evil with good, give me all good. Give those I love good. Give my enemies all good. Speak, and your servant shall be healed. Amen. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.
that we may not fear the power of any adversaries, but rather rejoice in his victory for us. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. May the Lord Almighty, Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit bless this cross. I pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people. Mighty and most merciful God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give thee thanks for all thy goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of thy dear Son, and for the revelation of thy will and grace. And we beseech thee so to implant thy word in us, that in good and honest hearts we may keep it, and bring forth fruit by patient continuance in well-doing. Lord, in thy mercy. Most heartily we beseech thee so to rule and govern thy church universal, with all its pastors and ministers, that we may be preserved in the pure doctrine of thy saving word, whereby faith toward thee may be strengthened, charity increased in us toward all mankind, and thy kingdom extended. Send forth laborers into thy harvest, and sustain those whom thou hast sent, that the word of reconciliation may be proclaimed to all people, and the gospel preached to all the world. Lord, in thy mercy. Grant also health and prosperity to all that are in authority, especially to the President and Congress of the United States, the Governor and Legislature of the State of Wyoming, and to all our judges and magistrates, and endue them with grace to rule after thy good pleasure, to the maintenance of righteousness and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness. We may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Lord, in thy mercy. May it please thee also to turn the hearts of our enemies and adversaries, that they may cease their enmity and be inclined to walk with us in meekness and in peace. Lord, in the All who are in trouble, want, sickness, especially Nick Llewellyn, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who are in suffering for thy names and for thy truth's sake, comfort, O God, with thy Holy Spirit, that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as a manifestation of thy fatherly will. Lord, in thy mercy. And although we have deserved thy righteous wrath and manifold punishments, yet we entreat thee, O most merciful Father, remember not the sins of our youth, nor of our many transgressions, but out of thy unspeakable goodness, grace, and mercy, defend us from all harm and danger, body and soul. Preserve us from false and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, from all calamity by fire and water, from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest and from famine, from anguish of heart and despair by mercy and from an evil death. And in every time of trouble, show thyself a very present help, the Savior of all men, and especially of them that believe. Lord, in thy mercy. Cause all equal fruits of the earth to prosper, that we may enjoy them in due season. Give success to the Christian training of the young, to all lawful occupations, and to all pure arts and useful knowledge, and crown them with thy blessing. Receive, O God, our bodies and souls and all our talents, together with the offerings we bring before thee, for thou hast purchased us to be thine own, that we may live unto thee. These and whatsoever other things thou wouldst have us ask of thee, O God, grant us for the sake of the bitter sufferings and death of Jesus Christ, thy only Son, our Lord and Savior, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen.
salutary, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you. Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, for what had been hidden from before the foundation of the world, you have made known to the nations in your Son, in him being found in the substance of our mortal nature, you have manifested the fullness of your glory. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, Oh, 
steadfast in the true faith, life everlasting, depart in peace, your sin. Amen.
why he made full satisfaction you, keep you steadfast unto life everlasting, heart in
thereby and keep you steadfast in the true faith unto life everlasting. Heart of his peace.
Jesus Conference. Um, Adam Cruz is an excellent, clear thinker and said there's solutions. There's solutions around, and I hope you're there. Um, we have a place to stay for a couple years from getting, you can't find a house or Madness is a morning prayer service. I encourage you guys, if you have the time, do the team or don't I just spoke in the line service too. So if you have a place, come Wednesday, Wednesday morning too. Um, we have a welcome meal for new semester for students in the best of each home today. You're welcome to come to our Broom Bowl tournament at Carson Main. But we're, we have like a 64 place to eat our ice cream. And it's a spring. And we're going to bonfire meal. So we're going to eat at about 6. Uh, you take some food if you want to come up to 5 to help make the food. Um, Sophia and Sophia and I are going to help spot. You don't need skates, you can run around the ice. Right, if you're looking for Wednesday at Bob's study at 7, we are looking at the Hymn of the Fathers of the Dottons, beautiful and West. If you ever have any topical studies you want to do, Thursday evening prayer, I don't remember what I'm going to preach on, but it would be good. Oh, yeah, two-page sermon on Thursday, right? And then finally, uh, uh, anybody who wants to apply to live as I don't know. Uh, today might be a good day to get rid of not something like Fire Day. So how about you like work? I would be